Chapter 7 A Sack Full of Edibles Jack decided to head home and pack after his call with Magnus. He grabbed his keys from the valet and brought his 12-cylinder Ferrari to life. He pushed the accelerator to the floor. The wail of the engine echoed off the walls of the parking garage. Mothers grabbed their children and men downloaded in their pants. He barely made it in the third gear when he reached the end of the strip and headed toward the hills near Red Rock, where he and Luke shared a house. Some would call it a house, others a complex. He and his brother really didn't care how big it was. They just needed space to themselves to pursue their various passions in private. For Jack, that meant enough room for a full-size lab, clean room, and every conceivable scientific instrument, MRIs to chromatographs, all in a space that was explosion-proof, just in case something went wrong. For Luke, it accommodated a full-size basketball court and a studio in which to bang on his drum set. They both had a passion for all things mechanical, and their garage contained an assortment of 20 cars and 15 motorcycles, from cutting-edge vehicles to classics. His driveway diverged into two paths, one looped in front of the house, the other to the side leading to the ramp that descended into their underground garage. He parked the car next to 20 others and dumped his dirty clothes in the locker room off the garage. He looked around briefly, wondering why he had so many cars, and felt an instant twinge of self-assessment. So, this is success, he thought. He felt a little empty. He grabbed a snack from the kitchen, packed for his trip, and then jogged to his lab to see what he'd need. Whatever he brought would need to be compact, so he settled on a new spectrometer and portable DNA sequencing platform he had developed. As with all spectrometers, his creation used light to compare molecular structures. However, this particular unit used multiple light sources and a comprehensive database that he had painstakingly developed. It was more advanced than anything commercially available. If the plant species were known, this tool would help identify it. If not, his newly developed DNA platform and reagents would quickly be able to identify and classify the plant genetics. He'd stretch out the work to make it look like he was earning his money, but realistically, he could finish the work in a day. It would be the easiest 200 grand he had earned in a while. He sunk into his deep, oversized, dense sofa, grabbed his laptop, and started pulling flight schedules, then followed up with a quick confirmation email to Magnus. He didn't see himself as a prima donna, but flying commercial was about as pleasurable as a gum scraping. The thought of that many strangers in a confined space would have his pre-flight anxiety pinging a 10. Actual situations never freaked him out. It was the pregame. The thought of something that would gnaw at him. Whatever the case, just thinking of a commercial flight inspired him to pack a Halloween sack full of cannabis edibles. For Jack, buzz management was an art form. With the exception of the occasional night at home with Luke, he never got fucked up and hated having diminished faculties around strangers. Moreover, his inner geek was hard to suppress and his ability to moderate, or more appropriately, manage his cannabis intake was impressive. Between the two major cannabis strains, indica and sativa, he chose edibles with indica extracts. They were known to have a bit less THC, the psychoactive component of cannabis, and more CBD, which produced a body high and helped him relax, at least physically. 
He took the cannabis gummies and carefully sliced them into smaller doses that would take the edge off without making his face melt. Magnus suggested that he fly into Buffalo and cross the border in a car, which was a reasonable suggestion. Customs lines at the airport were notoriously beastly, especially if he was bringing in testing equipment. It would mean a lot of paperwork and a lot of questions and a lot of time. Too much sugar for a dime, as one of his southern aunts would say. Getting a rental car and driving across the border made more sense, and the thought of driving solo relaxed him a bit. He'd need time to decompress from the flight. The plan was that he would meet Serena over the border and follow her to the Grove facility. Easy. He hung out at the house for the rest of the evening, enjoying some peace and quiet. Luke was out at a local dive. At least that's what the GPS stamp from Luke's last selfie indicated. He assumed that Luke was being Luke, gambling, chasing women, spending a lot of money, hopefully making even more. He checked his voicemail and heard a message from his brother saying that he was in full fuck-off mode, on a roll, and headed to the Bahamas the next day. Said he'd be back Saturday. Jack left it at that. He didn't see the need to call him or tell either of employees about Greenleaf. They were absorbed in their own projects, and he and Luke would be back at approximately the same time. He made a mental note to eat dinner with Luke on Sunday after his concert outing with Beth and have the talk with him. It was time to figure out what they both wanted to do with the business. The thought of money, or rather his recent lack of liquidity, spurred him to pick up his phone and look at his current market positions. He had taken a big gamble on Agrifuse, and as usual, it had paid off. The problem was making money in the market required accelerating, which took a physical toll, the price being paid in cluster headaches, a two-day hangover, and ever-increasing anxiety which manifested as occasional hand tremors. He was better with numbers and research than anyone he'd met, although for him to make money in the stock market required something extra. Accelerating worked, but he was starting to hear Luke's voice in his head, wondering what the limits actually were. His neural accelerator would have been considered a torture device by most, Blasting multiple intermingled streams of audio and video simultaneously into one semi-conscious head was a little extreme, and there were drawbacks. It wasn't a stretch to believe that some or most of his anxiety issues stemmed from accelerating, though Luke was adamant it was PTSD that was partially to blame. He pushed back the idea out of convenience, like he always did. Hell, it was probably Quan's experiment that started this shit. He put his portfolio out of his mind and thought about calling Beth, then quickly decided against it. He just didn't want to talk to her. He knew she was out somewhere pissing away money on a new outfit. Her recent mantra was, shopping in Vegas is for tourists. That's why she was prone to fly to California, shop like a reality show star, and spend time with her family, even though he never actually met any of them. Her expenses were real enough, though, and they were beginning to rival Luke's. They'd had a fight a few days before and only swapped a few texts since. He thanked God that he didn't ask her to move in with him. He had committed to going with her Sunday to a concert, but after that, he was done. He'd end it that night. As attractive and physically intoxicating as she was, the connection just wasn't there. He scratched his head and pushed his long, curly hair out of his eyes. No, the connection with Beth isn't there anymore. Likely never will be. The thought saddened him, caused his hand to tremble slightly. 
but he couldn't take another day in relationship limbo. Maybe I'll ditch the concert, he thought. He was good at making hard mental shifts to avoid uncomfortable thoughts, and that thought alone began to calm him down immediately. It wouldn't hurt to cut his burn rate either. He made a mental note to himself to cut off her Amex card when he got back. 